If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of California Underground. I'm your host, Phil, and tonight I have with me Natasha Serrano. Did I say that correctly? I want to make sure I add just a little bit of Latin flair to it. Um, <laughs> joining me tonight, and she's running for the 56th District for California Assembly. And as always, we love to promote those who are running for local and state politics here on California Underground. Um Natasha, welcome to the episode. How are you doing tonight? Thank you, Phil. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. I'm doing well. Very blessed. Can't complain. How are you doing? I, I'm doing all right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we can get right into it. The 56th District, which I, I was trying to go over it with you before we hopped on, because I've been having this problem all year with redistricting and all that. The 56 is not what it used to be, I thought, and you corrected me. I thought it was the 56th district with Eduardo Garcia, who was the guy with the date milkshake and the official state milkshake. <laughs> um, it's not that district. This is what it was the 57th with Lisa Calderon, correct? Correct. Yes, correct. So um, they redistricted last year, and they usually do this every 10 years. I don't know, for some reason, it hasn't been updated. So it's the old 57, but they took away three cities, which are Santa Fe Springs, Norwalk, and La Mirada. And they added um, Walnut, Roland Heights, and Diamond Bar. Okay. Uh, but before we get really into the politics, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because uh, I was reading your story um, on your page. You were born in Guadalajara, correct? Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. How long did you live in Mexico before you moved to America? So it's kind of funny. Um, my mom is from Michoacan in Mexico, okay. and my dad is from here. He's American in California. And my parents separated when I was very young. So I moved back and forth since I was little, since I was a baby. And the last time I've moved here, um, has, it's been nine years since I've been here in California, just all straight without moving to Mexico. But I would say I lived most of my life in Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, but you've been here regularly for nine years. Yes. Yes. For nine years. And then every time I moved back and forth, I was always in California, always in the same city in Hacienda Heights. So nothing has changed. So every time I would come, it, it would be like coming back home. So what, what made you, because you were going back and forth, what made you ultimately decide to stay here and not live in Mexico? Um, to be honest, that I am an American. I have mm -hmm. dual citizenship. Um, so just more, there's more opportunity here. There's a lot of more opportunity than in Mexico. So that's why I decided to come here and embrace that I am an American. And yeah, here we are now. Okay. And you've been working for what is the Los Angeles uh, Water Department? Is that correct? Or Department of Public Health. Department of Public Health. Okay. It's one of yeah. those bureaucratic departments. <laughs> um, yeah. How long have you been working there? I've been doing that for five and a half years now. Okay. Since so you've seen the inner workings of county politics, to say yes, the least. Yes. Yes. So I am a procurement buyer. 
Mm-hmm. So we're in charge of purchasing everything the department needs. We're in charge of budgeting, um, spending county money, watching out taxpayers' dollars. So I've got all the intel in, in that and how the county departments work. Is there anything while during this time in like the five years? Because I imagine if you're if you're behind the scenes in like a county job, you really get to see how the like the sausage is made because you're seeing and, and I've interviewed people who are candidates. They have no idea how like government works from the inside out. You might be the first person I've actually interviewed for a candidacy who's who's worked in the public sector, who knows what it's like. Is there anything? And I don't want you to say anything that will like jeopardize your job. But is there anything that may have stuck out to you where you said, huh, you know, maybe we could do this better? Or is it maybe we're wasting this resource and something that kind of triggered in your head to say uh, things could be done better if I had my way? Um, Definitely a lot of things. But I can say that we can. There's some certain things. We shouldn't be buying or that we could buy for a lesser price. Mm. And I'm just like, hmm, did the finance department really just approve that instead of, you know, this, you know, the price difference? So, Mm. yeah, we get a a lot of that. Okay. And, And I'm sure if taxpayers saw more of how our government was spending money in terms of not competitive bidding they'd probably be a little bit more shocked at how we're spending tax dollars yeah definitely yeah they would be yeah i I think a lot of people (laughs) would um especially on a day like today because it is tax day today so while you're you're forking over money to the government just keep in mind how much they end up wasting um so you decided to run first time running as a running for political office um, and, and I applaud you for going for something like the assembly. Um, you didn't automatically say, oh, I'm just going to run for governor or some sort of big name. You really took it upon yourself to say, I'm going to run for something local because that can make a difference. Um, so what kind of prompted you to say, I'm jumping in, I'm going to, I'm going to run in this race. Well, um, first of all, I'm a Christ follower. I believe in Jesus Christ. And lately I've been seeing all these bills pass for abortion at local level, right? And I am pro-life and I prayed and I felt that that I needed to step out in faith to do something to prevent that, to prevent um, all these wicked bills being passed. And I decided, I looked into it and I was, oh, state assembly, they enact and they draft bills. Okay. you know. I, I would I would do this. And then aside from pro-life, just everything that's been going on with crime, crime has risen and I don't feel safe in my neighborhood. My family doesn't either. I've spoken to constituents around the cities and that's their main concern, crime. So I just looked up what what were what, what, um, the requirements to run for office. I was like, okay, check. That's it. Let's do this, Lord. And here I am. First time. Well, so this district I was looking at before uh, is about 70% uh, Hispanic, correct? Hispanic. 
correct. Yes. Okay. And Lisa Calderon, I don't, you know, I haven't looked too much into her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just, we'll just forgo and say like, you're winning the primary and you're going up in the general election. You're going up against Lisa, the incumbent. Um, tell me about her and what her stances are and how you differ from her. Um, from what I know about her is, um, she says she's for the Hispanic community, right? Um, I don't, I, the way that I differentiate in that from her is that I can relate to the Hispanic community because I was, I was born in Mexico and I know mm. the reason why people came here mm. to live and left their country, right? Another thing is that she's been, um, she's been signing bills and co-authoring bills that have passed regarding abortion. Um, so that's, that's not good. She's also, she's for the mandates, uh, for the vaccines. She promotes to get uh, vaccinated and, um, I'm against mandating that as well. Yeah. So that's, okay. that's, that's probably like the, the top differences between her and I. Okay. Um, looking at the district itself, I don't know if you've looked into this. It's been a long time since a Republican has held office in this district. I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, like 30 years. It's, it's been, been a, a long Democrat. time. Yeah. yeah. It's been a lot of Democrats. It's been a couple of Calderons. Um, I guess they have a political dynasty or something. Uh, but I, I guess you, you know it's an uphill battle. And what is your, your plan to reach out to potential voters who may have never voted for a Republican before and say, hey, you know, give me a chance. Um, I'm different or I, I'm more like you and I, I connect better with you. So what's your plan there? Well, definitely reach, like you said, uh, Hispanics are 70% of the community. So definitely reach out to them and explain to them the difference between both parties because they've been brainwashed a lot by the Democrats. And um, I want to remind them of their conservative values because most Hispanics are conservative. They come from a Catholic culture and very strong. And Catholics are, for example, they're pro-life. They're very conservative in their values. So I want to remind them of that, remind them that, you know, they left, they left a country where office is corruption, going towards um, socialism. They came Mm -hmm. here for the American dream, for them to open up their businesses, for them to thrive here. So my plan is to remind them of that, remind them that we are for the people and me and me as one of them, like I can relate, I can relate because like I said, I'm not a politician, just a concerned citizen. So I want to relate to the people and have that personal connection with them and actually understand their concerns and, and tell them about a plan, how I will be addressing that and why they should vote for the Republican party. Okay. Um, and obviously, you know, I hate a lot of people are like, well, we don't want to play into like identity politics. Um, but I, I've brought this up before um, 
on my show and on my lives. Sometimes there's identity politics just to play identity politics, but sometimes there's actually identity politics because the idea is when you elect a representative, you're electing someone who represents that constituency and that group. So I, I you know, having that connection, your your life story of growing up in Mexico, um, I guess it, that definitely is a plus in my mind that you can reach out to a constituency that is seventy percent Hispanic, um, as opposed to Lisa Calderon, who, again, I don't know if she maybe someone in her family tree is Hispanic, and that's what she says, or she has consultants who write stuff in Spanish for her. Um, but, um, I think that's definitely a benefit that someone you are, you're trying to be a reflection of the people you're representing. Correct. Yes, correct. And like, I empathize, I empathize Mm. with them, you know, and I just want to be reachable. I want to be reachable. I know, for example, um, I don't know if this is going off topic a bit, but when you call your assembly person, they never answer. You always mm-hmm. have to leave voicemails, you emails that you never get a response back. So I I want to be reachable for the community because, like you said, like we are representing the constituents. Like mm-hmm. our duty, our oath in, for in office is to represent them. So I want to be reachable. I want them to feel like, hey, you know, this is going on. Let me call Natasha. Let me call my assembly person. I know she's going to hear me out and she's going to do something about it or work on doing something about it. Mm-hmm. So I also want to bring that up to them that I, I actually care for the Hispanic community for all Americans, but they mm-hmm. need to be heard because I feel like they've been just brushed off to the side. Mm. So you'd mentioned uh, you, the, the entrepreneurship and opening businesses in your, your district. Um, what are some things that you view in California that make it restrictive to be a business owner and what are some ways that when you get to the assembly, you can help change that, at least in your district? Um, to be quite honest with you, I'm not too, too familiar on the policies and the requirements of opening a business. My family, they're, um, they're business owners themselves. But I know um, it comes with uh, you have to pay certain fines. You know, obviously, you have to you have to be from the U.S. Um, your also your your credit report, I believe that's also required. And I can tell you that I would. What I can tell you is this: that I will support their their businesses. And for example, a lot a lot of them closed because of COVID, right? Because mm-hmm. of the mandates, and they couldn't abide by the mandates, and they just had to close. They didn't get enough clientele, or maybe they didn't have an outdoor seating area, and all their all their um, sales had to be to go or whatever reason, and a lot of them shut down. And with that, their dreams shut down. So mm-hmm. I feel like the the government really failed the people in that way um, by giving them uh, re- checks for relief. That's that's not going to cut it, you know, like that. That's not so. I feel like our people really hurt in that way, mm-hmm. and um, I just want to be able to support them. And of course, I would look into like what you're saying, like the requirements for opening it up, and see how maybe we can make it more accessible for the people that actually um, have like the money and and the drive 
ready to open up a business. But let's say like stuff, uh, I mean, like stuff like taxes. It's it's incredibly burdensome to uh, run a business here. Taxes are through the roof, which is why a lot of businesses you find them leaving. Some of the biggest companies always are leaving. They're always le- uh, moving out of state. There's a lot of regulations that are put on businesses, a lot of red tape. Um, and that's stuff that you would have like an, a, a, you'd have a say on. You'd get to vote on bills. You get to introduce bills. Um, so I guess that's where I was, I was going with was sort of the, okay. the, 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 the pressure and the weight that's put on a lot of these businesses to even operate. Um, and, oh, well, and- the, yeah, definitely, definitely working with legislators to, suspend taxes because california is it's just crazy like you're saying with taxes and a lot of our people and good people are leaving mm-hmm. they're leaving and um i i personally don't want them to leave like i don't want to leave it would be easier for me to leave right yeah. but um but that's why i'm staying because i want to fight for california yeah so you, we were, before we hopped on you were talking about how you're taking a trip up to sacramento tonight yes or in a couple yes. hours, like you're literally driving up yeah. to Sacramento yeah. in a couple hours. Tell us why you're you're driving up to Sacramento. What, what's the purpose of that trip? Where what are you going to be doing up there? Okay, so we're going to be, you know, tomorrow is a hearing for the health committee of the infanticide bill, the AB two 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 three, known as the infanticide mm-hmm. bill. So tomorrow is the health committee hearing at one thirty p.m. So we're going to drive out there. We're going to get some training. It's going to be lobby day. So we're going to be there asking our assembly members, not asking them, like urging them to oppose no on this bill. I'm driving up there with friends, with my church. There's going to be other candidates up there. Um, It's going to be a big event. It's going to be very powerful because the church is waking up and a lot of prayer is going to be needed. And this is um, this is fight that uh, life that we're talking about here. We need to fight for the rights of the baby in the womb. So that's where we're going up there. And just for those who aren't like particularly well versed on what AB two two two, I always feel like I add way too many twos to that bill. <laughs> two 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 three. Um, what does it specifically legalize? So it's um, for. investigated uh through the perinatal phase of the baby so i believe the perinatal phase is um it's a couple a couple of weeks before birth and then also some couple of weeks after birth so during that period if a baby if a baby dies it's for not to criminalize uh, the parents not for it to be an investigation for the coroner not to be involved Mm -hmm. okay uh, one thing I, I found, I think I talked about not this past week, but maybe two weeks ago on one of my lives. And, uh, there was a group called, I think it was Latinas for reproductive justice supported the bill, which mm-hmm. I found kind of interesting. Cause I was like, um, I, I mean, based on what you're talking about, uh, it seems odd that there would be such a group that would support it. And I was struggling with the word of what is like reproductive justice, because it seems weird to say what, 
it's a fancy name, I guess. It sounds good. Everybody loves justice. Who who's doesn't love justice, right? Like that sounds like such a nice buzzword. Um, but it is interesting that they call this reproductive justice when it seems California is always slanted in one way that it's um yeah with free abortion or affordable abortion or government sponsored abortion um it, it always seems like it tilts one way and it's not really the other justice in my mind means it's, it's equal and that you get well if you're gonna give free abortions you might as well give free health care to those who are actually trying to start a family so that's what one thing that i found pretty interesting was this idea of like reproductive justice in that bill mm-hmm. that, that kind of came out so yeah um i think that those uh like reproductive justice activists are are linked with the with the pro-choice activists mm-hmm. regarding you know my body my choice um but in reality it's not it's not it's a, a body inside your your body mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, it's it's one of those yeah. bills I read and I couldn't uh, I couldn't believe it when I was reading it. Um, so I'm looking at your site and you have, you know, we're talking a little bit about pro-life um, is your top topic. Um, and t- tell us a little bit more about crime. You said drug and theft felonies have been reduced to misdemeanors as a result of Prop 47, which needs to be stopped immediately. So. Tell us a little bit more about crime and what you plan on doing as an assemblywoman when you get there. So when elected, I will work with other legislators to you know, repeal the damage that Prop 47 has caused. Um, because drug and theft, they were felonies. The ones that were charged as felonies now as misdemeanors again. So we need to get them back into felonies. We also need to get law enforcement back into patrolling our neighborhoods. Um, I know this is a concern with our communities because they've seen a high rise in crime, like I mentioned earlier, also with the, you know, with the smash and grab mm. that, you know, for $950 or less that you don't get, um, you don't get apprehended for it. Like they just walk away with whatever they want. Like they can go to five spots, five different spots and steal that and they're not going to get, um, penalized for it. And I think that's, that's wrong. And um, also, I know that I, I've been to a couple of uh, community conversations with the sheriff, Alex Villanueva, right here mm-hmm. around, uh, around my community. And you know, the budget, how they defunded the police, you know, I think um, people are starting to see that that was a really bad idea. It was a really bad idea to have you know less cops and more criminals out in the streets. And um, did you know that they're also getting rid of uh, juvenile halls? I did not know that. No. Yes. Yeah, so they're getting rid of juvenile halls. So what's happening? It's the youth now. Now criminals are recruiting youth, right? Mm-hmm. So he gave us an example for murder. They they will only get home detention for homicide. That's it. Home detention? Yeah. And that's so like that, house arrest. Yes. Mm-hmm. For a homicide. So that is pretty that is pretty scary. Um, 
And, you know, obviously criminals know this. They know of all these laws and all these propositions that have passed. So I will definitely work with legislators, like I said, to um, give back our police the funding that they need in order to operate, to repeal Prop 47, like I said. I I am pushing and for the recall of the current DA, Gascon, because his policies have really hurt our communities. So uh, with... Uh... You know, kind of always seems to like go hand in hand with listeners. Crime and then right to defend yourself. Second Amendment. Always under attack here in California. Always some crazy bill. Always an opportunity. I mean, we just saw it with the the mass shooting that happened in Sacramento. Um, Every from Gavin Newsom on the way down, every Democratic California politician used it as an opportunity to try and say we need more gun control control, obviously gun control is not working um when in reality the guns they used were illegal already so the gun control laws that they enacted didn't stop them um where do you land on the second amendment and what 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 could you do when you get to the assembly well i definitely support i definitely support um the second amendment you know because we have to we have to protect ourselves um i don't agree with the government what they're saying that we need gun control if you notice the cities that have had the most gun control like chicago i forgot what other one philadelphia like they've got the most crime and us as citizens we need to exercise that right that we were given and I, I would work on it to, to protect it, mm-hmm. to protect it. Yes. All right. Last issue of your top issues, education. Yes. Education. Um, you know, what's, um, what's, what's sad, like a little sad is when, when I, cause I did some, some of my school here, right. Um, not all mm-hmm. of it. I did sophomore here in high school. And I remember that I always looked forward on a Monday morning to stand up, say the Pledge of Allegiance right in front of the flat, right? And that's been taken away from our classrooms. Um, I feel like even that little thing has influenced in a big way because now our kids are being taught about CRT, ethnic studies to graduate high school gender identity mm-hmm. when they're in in um, third grade, all the sex ed agenda. And um, I want to, I feel that it's, I don't have children, but I do want to have children, many children. And I have family that has children, small kids. I have friends that have small kids. And I feel that if I have a chance to protect that child's innocence, I will do it. I will do it. So I believe we need to go back. We need to go back to our Judeo-Christian values and teach teach our kids the academics that they need in order to succeed in life, not not um, like ethnic studies or there was a, I looked at the LACOE curriculum, mm-hmm. the Los Angeles, uh, the 
county of what is it office of education um that if you have parents that are from agricultural backgrounds you can go into like a migrant program and i'm just thinking to myself like like why why can't why do we need to segregate our kids why do we need to um put those ideas in their head that if they're minority they're less or if if or that if you're a white um if you're white then you automatically become you know um the bad guy right it's like i we need to teach our children how to how to learn and how to get together because they're all americans they're mm -hmm. all americans under they're all americans under god's eyes and we need to stop segregating our children at such a young age and we need to preserve their innocence and whatever education the sex education the gender identity that should be left for the parents so i truly believe in parental involvement in our schools because our parents need to have a voice in what's being taught in their their children's schools. Um, we need to stop this dick indoctrination from the government and let the kids let the kids be kids. Mm. Do you think a lot of w sort of parental awareness with school has come out of COVID? Because one, I think a lot of parents didn't realize how powerful their school boards were, especially when it came to mass mandates and school closures and not reopening the mm -hmm. schools. Um, you know, they're, they're being beholden to the teachers unions and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of teachers unions in California. Uh, but the other thing is that parents started to see as these kids were sitting at their dining room tables, exactly what teachers were teaching. And now they're starting to look and go, wait a second, this is what you've been teaching my kid. This is where, you know, my tax dollars are going to. Do you think that has had an effect on parents waking up and looking at school in California going, you know, what the heck is going on here and how do we change it? I think definitely that also had a big part because, you know, as you said, the lockdowns, the, the kids were at home studying and most parents that work in offices, they were also sent home. And they did get like a rude awakening of what is being taught. And um, I, I honestly thank God for, for this because now we see more parents at school board meetings. Mm -hmm. We see more mama bears there, mm -hmm. you know, willing to fight for their kids' innocence. And um, I think it's good that they're, you know, they're making noise because they're making a change and they need to stand up for their kids because if the parents are trusting the government by sending their kids to school for the for the kids to get a good education, the government needs to be held accountable for that. And the parent needs to be aware of what's being taught. And the parent has to have a voice like, hey, I don't want this being taught to my child, especially at this age. Like, leave this at home. Like, we're the parents. And mm -hmm. um, I just I just really thank God that they're waking up. They're waking up and yes, I, I believe that in these coming and in these um, elections coming up also for school board, there's going to be, there's going to be a change, a big mm -hmm. change. Do you believe uh, outside of public school, do you believe California could benefit from more school choice, allowing kids to take their tax dollars, maybe go to parochial schools, uh, charter schools? 
oh, yes. other types of schools. Definitely, definitely. Um, I support, um, it was a couple of weeks ago that we were signing for the Schools for Choice initiative, where the, mm -hmm. the money follows the child. And I believe that the parent has the right, you know, to, to, to choose where that money is going. If they, if they think it's better for the kid to go to private school, charter school, then yes, you know, so be it. That's, that's the freedom they have. So I do believe it's beneficial. So there is one question, um, and, and I'm going to, sorry, Jason, I'm going to kind of, um, hijack it and change it a little bit. He asked, what is one, what does she want to change and why? And I'll, I'll amend it a little bit to say, let's mm -hmm. say first day as new assemblywoman, you walk into Sacramento Capitol, ready to get your first day started. What's the first thing you want to change? What's on your agenda right when you, you get there? <sighs> wish, wish it would be like so easy, right? To just right away, first day. Well, no. I would definitely, I would definitely work hard on um, just repealing legislation that will try to use taxpayers' money to fund abortion. But then also the crime, the mm -hmm. crime. I would make sure that as soon as I step in office, we would get our police back into patrolling our neighborhoods, back into getting the criminals off the streets and be put in jail where they need to be. Repealing legislation, work with other legislators, you know, to to reverse Prop Forty Seven. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think that's that's a big that's a big thing that our community our communities need to feel safe again. They really do. Um, so you you mentioned working with other legislators le legislators. It's it's no obviously surprise to you. You're entering if you're entering the assembly. It is overwhelming the democrat and you're going to have to build some bridges how do you plan on building those bridges with other legislators to help you accomplish your goals well um obviously i would be i would be empathetic you know mm -hmm. um i would hear where they're coming from um i will make sure that I get my point across on issues that I want to address on bills that I want to enact and why is it important. So I will, I will do my best, you know, to, to work with them. And, you know, like we're here for a reason. We're here for the people to better our people. We're not here for ourselves. Like we're not here to, to receive the paycheck. At least that's how I see it. Like, no, we're here to represent the people for them. You know, this is America. This is a great country. People love America. That's why they keep coming. And we need to bring those values back. Mm -hmm. So I would also remind my 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 fellow coworkers, <laughs> um, you know, other legislators of that. Okay. Uh, well, I know you got uh, a long night ahead of you. I know your team's working busy to get some stuff done. Um, I know you got that long trip up to Sacramento. Best of luck up there opposing Thank that you. bill. Um, I Thank applaud you. you for making the trip to go oppose that because it does need to be opposed, in my opinion. Uh, where can people, well, I'm going to actually just post it. Where can people go support you if they want to support your campaign? Um, they can go to my website. Natasha for assembly, Natasha for assembly.com. You can also find me on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram. It's the same 
at Natasha FOR Assembly. And um, right there on my page, if they have any concerns or any questions, they can, my email is on there. So they can email me directly. Like I said, I want to be reachable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Great. Well, best of luck to you, Natalie. I know you got the primary coming up. Natasha. You got a lot of Natasha, why did I say Natalie? I'm sorry, Natasha. I, I don't know. It's okay. A lot of people. A lot of people. You're not the only one, Phil. You're Never not says the only Natalie. One. <laughs> I I apologize. Uh, you know, brain fart at nine o'clock at night. Uh, Natasha Solano, also known as Nati. Did I say that right? Yeah, you said it right. Yes. Good job. Yes. I got it. Yes, yes. You, you told me how to say it correctly before, <laughs> uh, so I got it right. And uh, yeah, good luck in the primary. You got a big primary coming up and then on to the general election. So yeah, best of luck to you and your, your work. And um, maybe you can come back on after the primary when you're running for the general election and we can, we can chat more and uh, yeah. Any other final words you want to add on before we, we sign off? Um, just uh, keep me in prayer. Just pray, please pray. Um, I know we're going against the Goliath, but we know we know who our god is and we're here to do the lord's work and to really be there for the people so yeah i'm excited um thank you so much phil for giving me an opportunity to hop on here with you i appreciate what you do i appreciate your podcast and i'm looking forward to speaking to you soon great thank you natasha have a great night and we'll uh best of luck see you soon thank you god bless you phil bye bye Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 